You are listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders, for that moment in your career when the buck stops with you. This is your window into the world of how to lead successfully. Now, over to your host, James Nagel. Hi, welcome to a new episode of the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders. I'm your host, James Nagel, and today my guest is Antia Schubert. And we've decided we're going to explore the topic of finding your authentic management style. But first of all, a few words about Antia. She's a German who spent most of her career abroad, but who's now back in Germany, leading Western Europe for Nomad Foods. That's the home of Captain Igloo or Captain Birdseye, depending on where you, where you live. Throughout her extensive international career in FMCG, Antia has held a broad variety of marketing sales and GM positions at companies including Danone Baby Nutrition, Rekit Benkiser, and Kraft Foods. She's lived in several countries, including the Netherlands, Austria, Spain, UK, and Poland. So, in many ways, a typical senior profile. But what makes Antje stand out from the rest of my guests is that she hasn't aged a day. It must be all that frozen food. So, it's my pleasure to introduce Antje. Hi, James. It's a pleasure being here. You're too charming. <laughs> uh, that's, that's something I'm not accused of very often. But anyway, I'll take it. So I'll start with the personal link. You know, we, we worked together last century, which actually sounds quite good. So back in 97, when I was moving to Poland, um, you know, I'd done the recruitment with one, with my future boss, who by the time I was doing my look and see visit had already left the company. So you had the pleasure of showing me around the joys of Warsaw nightlife. Um, and then we reconnected more recently. Now, you've sworn you're an avid listener of the podcast. So uh, clearly that got you top of the list. Yes. <laughs> so um, let's get started. Let's get into it. So if you look back at your own, you know, your own career, tell me about sometimes when you yourself have sunk or swum and, and what have you learned from that? Yeah, well, I suppose that um, all of us had moments in our life where we um, thought, "My God, I'm 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 going to I'm going to sing, right?" Um, it, but we do all of our effort to keep swimming, and um, I, I suppose you and I we we've gone through these examples ourselves with uh, our achievers. And achieve a mentality that you do everything you possibly can to pull out all your all your gears actually in order to stay over the water. And um, yeah, I think there are moments in personal life and there are moments in business life where where you're finding these challenges. And um, there are plenty of them where I thought like, oh, oh this is going to be tricky now. But I'm, I'm I'm glad I had a, a lot of people around me um, that helped me actually um, to stay over the water, and it's a fantastic experience actually when you're realizing afterwards that you do stay over water, and that um, you you enable a lot of new capabilities, um, you generate new learnings you come out uh, much, much stronger than um, what you were before. Even though you may be an achiever and you have that uh, mentality, it is lonely. And it is something which one of the motivators for why I wanted to do the podcast, because 
by definition, you've you've reached the senior level. So you you know you've done a lot of great things, but there's still challenges. And the fact that you cannot necessarily talk them with people because you don't have maybe because you're living abroad or wherever you don't have a peer group, it's quite lonely. So you know, in that network, when you reach out to people, who are who are the people who've or who are the types of people who who've supported you? I had a um, I had in different moments very different supporters. Um, my bosses, my family, my friends, um, and my colleagues. Because I think the learning um, is that you are not alone. You um, basically, you mentioned it earlier, it can be a very lonely place out there. And the moment that you are actually going out and expressing yourself and sharing with the wider audience, wow, I, I do have a challenge here, whatever that challenge might be. And you share this kind of um, thinking with some people you trust, your coach, your business partners, your colleagues or whatever. There is a certain understanding for the circumstances that you are having and you all of a sudden will receive actually um, through this openness a very, very different um a, a very different support level than what you would probably would have expected and sharing these kind of circumstances and, and bringing this kind of vulnerability probably alive as well is a, um, a very powerful tool in my opinion because when we work together in both in both scenarios in poland and then in london i i think it's fair to say vulnerability wasn't wasn't encouraged it was a competitive environment, right? You know, we were at the stage where we wanted to get to the next level and it was overtly competitive. And there was a sense that, you know, <laughs> barring your own deep friendships, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, volunteer weakness. What is it that's changed that's made you maybe more open to, to, to sort of show any weakness or? I think vulnerability, you're touching, you're touching the right point here, is, is something that um, is, is basically in our surrounding not, um, not a, a, a very trendy word. Uh, whenever you have a look into senior leaders or into junior uh, people, vulnerability is something that most of people are connecting with weakness. I think it was... My coaching, um, my coaching certification time, basically, that I did myself a few years ago when vulnerability was one of the core subjects as well. Because the moment you show yourself vulnerable, you open up to the audience and you are um, bringing up very, very different strengths um, to the audience. And um, I mean, some of, you might know Brené Brown, I mean, uh, the super TED talker uh, who's out there and I was very touched by by her book and by her TED on vulnerability and believe, strongly believe that if we all are a little bit more open and um, and actually taking our challenges with a little bit more uh, with a pinch of salt and looking at it from a slightly different perspective every now and then you know, some of the stuff we're doing is not an open heart surgery. It is not as threatening as such. And 
Um, but we are we are observing our challenges as if they are the most biggest problem or the biggest challenge on this planet. And in hindsight, when you look at it, at all the challenges that we have um, actually had in our careers, I mean, who, who's talking about it nowadays, right? I mean, what we did 20 years ago in, in, in Warsaw, I mean, nobody else cares about it. But for you at that at that moment, it is the biggest challenge that you can have. And scaling it a little bit down, looking at it from a different perspective, sharing and being open um, to actually engage with others and to and to look for thinking partners um, can be your, uh, nowadays a super powerful tool. I wish I had known about this uh, basically 20 years ago. But were you able to, let's say, bring that openness to work and establish that this is the way I want to work? Or was it because someone more senior had, let's say, given permission for that? Because that's that's one of the biggest challenges in leadership where you basically say, look, I'm at the stage now where I want to create my own environment. It's not like I'm, I've been given permission by somebody else. I'm giving myself permission. Um, I think it was both. I think, first of all, I was given permission but I think back then I was not even open for that permission because I was um, I was actually wondering myself authentic leader. I mean, I got no. I mean, I am an authentic leader. I was actually really wondering myself, what are we talking about? So I think you can be you can be given that kind of. Um, um, openness you can be unleashed to be to be an authentic leader but if you don't know what an authentic leader what what you are actually want to stand for unless you you actually come over that moment you cannot be that that person so i was actually super happy that i got um um it was back in well almost 12 years ago that i was uh, given support with a coach and I was basically with that coach finding myself and finding my North Star and finding my values. And I think that is so needed. And we ask ourselves so few times, what, what do I want to stand for? What are my values? And uh, it, is almost, uh, it is almost strange that we don't even get that at school. It is one of the most critical, critical elements <laughs> that you ask yourself, what do you want? Who are you? What is your purpose? What are your values? And um, I suppose that was a real turning point for myself when I started to learn more about this and then realizing, wow, I follow my values. I want to live my values. I want to live my purpose. And what was there a specific trigger point for this? Hmm. I think it was uh, it was more opening that what I want and not actually that somebody else maybe to phrase it in a different way it is in a in a career you are following a path and mostly in in, in a corporate environment you have a very clear career path and you follow that path there is very little moment when you are actually reflecting 
kind of little sense check, what is it that you want in your life? What is where you want to be? What are your values, as I just said earlier? Um, so I think uh, this kind of opening and finding your own purpose and finding your values, uh, that was a real um, turning point in my life where I thought like, okay, now I got it and I, I, I'm going to do some changes here. To move from inauthentic to authentic doesn't happen uh, organically, I don't think. It, it's usually caused by some form of a critical moment. Uh, and, and, and yes, and as I said earlier, I mean, there was uh, there was one boss of mine in the past and I really, really thank her for that, who said like, well, why are you not yourself? Why are you not your authentic you? And um, it is really hard for one we, we, to, in this kind of corporate world, to think like, hey, but I am myself. Only in, as, as you said, in critical moments and uh, in maybe sometimes in crisis times, you're realizing what am I really as a leader? And how do I want to be as a leader? I personally have realized that, for example, empowerment is a, is a very critical point. And sharing this thinking partner, establishing this thinking partnership is a real critical part in my, in my leadership. But let, before we move on to how this has impacted you, mm. I, I think the way you phrased it is, is quite striking. Somebody intervened and said to you, Antia, why are you not yourself? That's a big question. What, what was behind that? And, and, did it? Did you get it straight away, or did it take you some time? No, I, I, I didn't get it for probably for for four years. I, I, I didn't get it for four years. It's exactly as you said. Mm, it didn't. It did not come straight away to my um, to, to to my belief that that's right. I'm not myself. It took me four years to come to that conclusion. Um. I was asking myself constantly, I must admit, why, why is my boss saying this? And in a corporate environment, you're on that career path. You're on that career path. You want to shine. You want to demonstrate. You're going to go with the flow. And you probably have never reflected on what actually is authenticity to yourself because you don't know what you really wanted. And only when when i really understood what i wanted i started realizing what she meant a couple of years earlier do you have an example to talk to basically where she was able to pinpoint no, or she, she was able to- she couldn't she actually was not even I, I was asking her a couple of times and she she could not point it so uh, she was only saying well you are not authentic and, and and this is this kind of I, th- I think we as a, we as career um, minded people and achievers we think we can sort out things we are leading greatly and um, but not reflecting enough and probably also not getting the different perspective from other sides and putting ourselves into the different different perspective. Uh, unfortunately, she was not never able to really pinpoint to me what, what, what she thought was not authentic. 
Um, but she did you the service by at least seeding the doubt in your head. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, Antia, you're not just a leader in your day job of Germany, but you also lead other people, right? So you've got three, four countries. So how has this experience of authentic and authentic leadership changed how you lead today? I believe that empowerment in people is a, is a very critical element. Our teams are so creative and usually they have so much hunger to, to actually evolve, to um, develop strategies, to explore new ways of doing. And you as a leader, you can come in and you can say, okay, we go that way. The most powerful tool is, however, to give the people the vision and the overarching goal and to let empower them to basically come with a creative how themselves because they are much more experts than what you ever could be. Um, you don't have that kind of expertise in yourself. The other, your colleagues actually want to do this. They have this hunger. And therefore, empowerment is such a critical tool nowadays in my, um, in my style, in my way of working. Um, so you, you're not becoming the control freak. You are becoming the thinking partner at the side. And that requires a lot of trust. It requires, um, however, also the, um, the power to, to say, okay, things are not going that well at the moment and to have a very open discussion about these kind of things are to admit, well, this was not good. That was a mistake. Um, we're talking about it and we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that again. Um, but to have this kind of open dialogue and to have a culture where you are embracing this. And I think you're touching on one of the, probably the key challenge of someone who's managing a region, right? Because the people working for you have a substantial business, have responsibilities. The big question is whether you sort of start off by giving them the trust de facto, or whether they have to earn your trust before you give them the, the freedom. Wh which is more your style? Whenever I hire people, mm -hmm. one of the first sentences that, um, uh, that comes in the introduction when they finally sign the contract is, you, do you are the best person coming out of that research. You're the best person coming out of that search. You have all my trust. You don't need to gain the trust. You just need to demonstrate that you don't misuse my trust. All of a sudden, this kind of ingoing position is flourishing a very, very different um, mindset and a very different behavior in, in the person who is then working with me. Um, because they, they don't need to prove. And this is the, the difficulty, in my opinion, and many are in, in many careers that you're on this kind of constant proof path. And that is not making things easier necessarily. Um, actually, just knowing that your boss is trusting in you is enabling you to, to do magic in, in, in many instances. 
But this one, this one makes me really curious. Giving them the trust is definitely empowering. But through any selection process, whether they're internal or external, you will see obvious challenges that they will face, right? So for example, the job requires a turnaround in culture or it requires a turnaround in business discipline, whatever, whatever, whatever the challenge. And you'll see that the person is 80% a good fit because nobody's perfect, right? Of course. There's going to be a stretch. Yeah. So in that environment, how do you support them through the gap? through the stretch mm. just that you because you have a gap does not necessarily mean that you don't trust them um that's in my opinion not a uh, not a conflict at all uh, r rather the opposite actually you demonstrate the trust in that person and you openly speak with the people in the very beginning on okay we we're here to help we are we, we're doing this all together not everything is just laying on your shoulders that's the reason why we're working as teams and with many thinking partners and with many teams um i think you can um, you can develop just more so um coming back to your question Uh, the person um, might not be fitting to your job specification to 100%. Um, still best candidate you, you, you found. Having an open dialogue in the very beginning, demonstrating your, um, your thinking partnership with, to that person straight away from the beginning um, establishing a kind of a contract, so to say, where you say like, well, you know, let's discuss these things. Let's, you prepare solutions. We do check-ins. Um, when one of my team members is coming along and saying, well, this is what I discover. This is a challenge that I'm seeing at the moment. Um, these are my thoughts on this. What are, what are your builds? So to have a really um, uh, open uh, conversation about it, and it's probably not even only with me, but it is with our peers in the, in the region as well. When I'm when I'm working with clients, I tend to see issues in or potential issues in three areas. Right, one is managing the business, so taking on something which they haven't done before or something new. The second is around organization and culture. So the first time where they really you know, they are the leader. So they have to be care very careful of their shadow. And the third is the personal style and the recognition that to use the, the cliche, what got them here won't get them there, right? So the techniques or the management style, which was successful in the previous role, they really need to re-examine it before reapplying it. In your experience to date, where do you see more of the stretch? In, in which of those three areas? When I'm recruiting, I have this kind of magic formula that I used to used to use our performance equals attitude squared times skills. Okay. So um, when I go through any kind of recruitment internally or externally, I think for all job it depends mostly on what the mindset is of the people. What is their attitude? What are their value sets? Mm -hmm. The capabilities you can learn most of the time. The personal challenge is the hardest one to bring up, right? Because as you said, you've recruited the best. 
the best of the options you've got them in front of you <laughs> and and then on the subordinate side they're not going to they're not going to want to admit any weakness i mean it goes against conventional logic to admit a weakness those initial moments when they start off if they're not willing to admit it and you yet you haven't yet perceived it <laughs> is is where where the danger ground lies in my opinion so mm. yeah, it goes back to which goes back to vulnerability and which goes back to your intuition as well as a as a as a manager to actually spot certain signals if my intuition tells me well there is something popping up or something triggers a certain sense of uh, unease of some some somebody i i provoke this and I, i believe if you have a good relationship with each other and that of course is the foundation of it uh you have the license to provoke this and And there is an, in in every kind of intuition, there is some 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 truth in there. But important is that uh, you train your intuition, and that's also not something that probably first time leaders are very very strong in. That you believe in your intuition. Yes, everybody is trained on facts, but intuition is a very strong skill that you build up in 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 this element as well. Well, it, it ties back to what you said about the leader who who went with her gut feel. She maybe wasn't able to substantiate it, but when she said to you about authentic and authentic, she was willing to go for it because it totally it was unsettling enough. And that that's that that's maybe been a been her legacy to 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 you. So look, Antia, thanks a lot for your time, especially on this Saturday morning. James, it was a real pleasure. Thank you very much for having me here and wishing you a great day. You've been listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. Subscribe at swimnotsink.com forward slash podcast.